0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson
1: This is SportsCenter at 6. We're live in Pittsburgh with a significant update on the health and football future of Steelers linebacker Ryan Chazier. The Browns traded the picks that became Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. What happens now that the man who made those moves was run out of Cleveland? Four names that could be available to Cleveland at the top of the draft. Mayfield, Barkley, Jackson, and Love. All up for the Walter Camp Award. We'll reveal the winner live. And Joel Embiid's 46 points stole the Lonzo vs. Ben headlines last month. What the rematch holds tonight in
2: Philly. He what he did. Dirty shot. So, what they making. And now, coming at you Michael Smith and Jamel Hill.
3: Falcons hey. slow down the Saints' star rookie runner and appreciating the brilliance of the NBA's two biggest superstars. But first, the latest on Steelers' star linebacker Ryan Shazier, whom the Steelers say underwent spinal st- stabilization surgery. On Wednesday, the team offered no further updates. The injury has affected the NFL beyond Pittsburgh. Sunday's opponent, in fact, the Baltimore Ravens, held a team prayer for the fourth-year linebacker. And Ravens coach John Harbaugh said, "Quote: This is real life. That's something that obviously bears remembering." I just hope everything works out. Um, You know, I don't know the extent. I can't, you know, be a doctor in this situation. But uh, you know, if surgery was required, I hope it went well. I didn't think I I wasn't sure if it needed it or anything. Um, It just sucks. All
4: right, Jeremy Fowler joins us now. Uh, Jeremy, you've been with the Steelers today. How are they reacting to this latest news about Ryan Shazier?
5: Well, Jamel, it was an interesting scene here at the Steelers facility when the news broke of Shazier's surgery at 2.13 p.m. The players were still on this practice field behind me. They didn't get off it until around 3 o'clock where they were informed by the media of the surgery. And so three days after Shazier's injury, players are still deeply shaken. By his situation, sometimes they've just been resorted to saying they want to win for number 50. Now, I do know many coaches and players that I've spoken to privately, they very much want to visit Ryan in the hospital, but they're waiting for the appropriate time and they're respecting the privacy of the Shazier family. And defensive coordinator, said a tone, defensive coordinator Keith Butler said a tone of thoughtfulness when he said this, I'm not concerned about Ryan Shazier, the football player right now. I'm concerned about Ryan Shazier, the person.
4: All right, Jeremy, thank you for joining us. Now, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, one of many Steelers offering up good thoughts and prayers. You see his tweet right there from earlier today. Now, joining us now is ABC's chief medical correspondent, Dr. Jennifer Ashton. Dr. Ashton, what can you tell us about this spinal stabilization surgery and why is it necessary?
0: Well, you know, this is something that's done for one of two reasons. Either someone's neurologic condition due to their injury is deteriorating or unstable or getting worse, and that might present itself with um, not just an instability at the site of the injury, but worse symptoms, so inability to move, inability to feel, nerve sensation, or it might be done actually for a positive reason. The surgeons um, might feel that someone could recover faster, better, have a safer recovery if the area of injury is stabilized. Uh, In general, when we hear about this, we tend to think for someone to require spinal stabilization, by definition, they need an injury or a spinal situation that's unstable meaning there's a fractured bone or there's soft tissue injury meaning a disc or the surrounding ligaments and or nerve compression and you can have all three of those things involved here so um, you know it's it's very very variable I just got off the phone with two top New York City neurosurgeons who tell me that this is not a one-size-fits-all procedure it is very individual to the patient to the type of injury, and again, you know, this obviously was a high-impact, high-velocity athletic injury, but these injuries are seen every single day in this country from car accidents, jumping into a swimming pool, um, and, and things of that nature. So, unfortunately, this is a common, a common injury. All right, All right thank Dr. you, Ashton. Doctor. Thank you. All
3: right, now to the Cleveland can't get right. Here's a foolproof way of making change and, of course, losing your only constants and cycling endlessly through eight GMs, nine head coaches, and 28 starting QBs since 1999. Fire executive vice president of football ops, Ashi Brown, but say you plan to keep head coach Hugh Jackson as if Cleveland's 1-27 in 27 record since last year makes him a lock to survive this season and won't have him on the hot seat next season. Assuming the next personnel boss is cool with keeping Jackson around, and around and around it goes. That's why Haslam's commitment and 10 cents will get you a cup of coffee. Right, guys? Mm. It's one thing to not know what you're doing. It's another to not even know who you want. Now Haslam says the Browns need, quote, someone with strong experience and success in <laughs> drafting and building consistently winning football teams. Look, passing on passers doom Sashi Brown. But at least... He left his successor with lots of extra picks, as you saw just now, including an additional first and two additional seconds. Adam Schefter is here with additional insight and information, as always. We've seen arranged marriages work before. Rarely, but sometimes they work. So how do they plan to set this up in Cleveland? Is it going to be a situation where it's a partnership and both report to Haslam, or is Jimmy Haslam going to hire Hugh Jackson's
6: new boss? Well, I think that Jimmy Haslam is going to hire Hugh Jackson's new boss, although it's interesting because I'm on the phone with one team today that's been through this process over the last couple of years, and they said they should know that these things don't usually work. You need a clean break Mm -hmm. with everybody moving out and new people moving in before it can work out. But the Cleveland Browns have gotten very little right over time since they moved back to Cleveland in 1999. Now, Sashi Brown, you mentioned the fatal mistake. Traded away the pick that became Carson Wentz. Traded away the pick that became Deshaun Watson. And people will always remember his time there for that. But the truth of the matter is... He is very much like Sam Hankey in Philadelphia with Brian Colangelo coming in. If I could cross over here. (laughs) They have six extra picks in the upcoming draft. Six extra picks. Mm -hmm. They're going to have the number one overall pick where they can pick the quarterback that they need. Then they also have over about $100 million in cap space. During the offseason, season, and a pretty decent young pool of talent. He warmed up the slot machine for the next guy. Hey, the guy that comes Trust in the Trust The guy that I've seen the way you run fantasy <laughs> football, keys, Michael. You can go in there and win this Super Bowl. They Uh-oh, can bring don't in Kevin that. Costner. I'll leave tomorrow. They can bring in Kevin Costner, and he might be able to win the oh, so Super Bowl. So what day.
3: you're saying is, as That's much right. as as much as the only constant in Cleveland is change, and as little as they've gotten right under even even two owners since '99, but specifically Jimmy Haslam, this is still a coveted position. In terms of a general manager wanting to come in and reap the rewards of what Sashi Brown has done. I would laid tell down.
6: you that the Cleveland Browns future, there are two teams that have GM openings right now, the Cleveland Browns and New York Giants. The Browns situation is much more appealing than the New York Giants. Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> the Browns will have the number one pick, they've got the cap space, they got the extra picks. The Giants are playing in a division with Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. You want any part of that without a quarterback solution for the long term scenario? That's to me not as attractive as the Cleveland situation. And again, you know, we bring up Sashi Brown and passing up the quarterbacks, but Jimmy Haslam has been the man that's been there all along. Right, And right. there should be plenty of blame that falls at his feet as well. Well,
4: because you, you know, the other thing they always say is that yeah, you can have all these uh, opportunities with draft picks and cap space, but that's also more opportunities to get things wrong, which the Browns have been very adept at that's doing. That's fair too. Yeah. So thank you, Adam, for joining Appreciate us. It. Okay, former USA Gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser was sentenced to 60 years in prison on child pornography charges, which is effectively a life sentence for the 54-year-old. More than 140 women and girls accused Nasser of sexual abuse, including former U.S. gymnast Michaela Maroney, Allie Raisman, and Gabby Douglas. Nasser also has pled guilty to seven counts of first-degree criminal sexual conduct. Three of those charges were related to victims who were under age 13. That sentencing will be... It held in January. Now, joining us now is John Barr, who's been covering this sentencing. now, John, uh, Allie Raisman, she shared the victim impact statement she wrote uh, to the judge in, in Nasser's case with the public on the Players' Tribune, Michaela Maroney. She also wrote a statement that was made public through the courts. Both wanted to deliver their statements in open court, but the judge wouldn't allow it. Why not?
2: Well, Jamel, she said that it wasn't the appropriate forum, but there were a number of victims who were heard, and the judge made it very clear in her remarks today at the sentencing that she took those into account. She said she received more than two dozen victim impact statements from former uh, gymnasts like Michaela Maroney and Allie Raisman and others. Uh, one of the things she said uh, upon reading those statements was that she's reviewed all of the victim statements and what is perhaps the most devastating is the sense of self worth that these girls and young women have had destroyed? As you mentioned, Michaela Maroney submitted an, a victim in, impact statement along with her mother. She was in court this morning. Uh, Allie Raisman was not here. Uh, we also reconnected with a woman named Tiffany Thomas Lopez. She's a former softball player at Michigan State, one of the more than 140 women who are suing uh, Michigan State and Larry Nasser. Tiffany Thomas Lopez. Was among four women that we spoke with who say they tried to tell somebody as far back as the late 90s about the abuse by Nasser, but were not taken seriously. In her case, she told three trainers. We asked her about her thoughts about Michigan State today. I chose Michigan State. I chose Michigan State because I felt like I bled green for them.
4: but they didn't take care of me.
2: Of course, that's Tiffany Thomas Lopez, a former scholarship athlete at Michigan State. Now, her case will continue. Uh, Recently, it was determined that the mediation period between the victim's attorneys and Michigan State uh, would come to an end without a resolution. So those civil cases will continue. His federal child pornography case ends today. He's got the two sentencings in January for the charges at a state level here in Michigan. But those civil cases will continue, and more facts about just what happened at Michigan State and what people knew and when. That will likely come out, Jamel.
4: There's a damn good rivalry game tonight in the NFL.
3: By now you probably know the numbers, but they're worth repeating. Mark Ingram needs one more touchdown to join Alvin Kamara as running back teammates with a 1,000 scrimmage yards and 10 touchdowns in the same season. Making, uh, adjoining Icky Woods and James Brooks with the 88 Bengals. Remember them? Since week six, Kamara second with 990 and Ingram third with 882, ranking the top three respectively in scrimmage yards along with Le'Veon Bell. Kamara averaging nine yards per touch. Uh, Ingram, though, Jeff Darlington, listed as questionable with a toe injury that's kept him out of practice all week. So uh, what new information can you provide as it relates to Ingram's status? boom and zoom by the way that's what mark ingram likes is the nickname for this tandem i, mean, I think it's pretty good look mark ingram is dealing with the toe injury he missed two practices this week he did walk into the building so the toe is still intact we have not seen him yet uh, warming up on the field we'll have to wait and find out just how uh, able he is during those warm-ups but i am told that the saints fully expect that he will be available to play mike all right we appreciate it jeff they also getting the other stud rookie uh marshall Lattimore back to hopefully help with julio jones thanks for the help jeff
4: like, I, don't know I don't know what the kids are to. Yeah. What you, what I'm going
1: to hear a lot of it. Then. Exactly. You know, be, when, the next time I visit you guys, you know what? I'm going to know all that. Are we
2: going
3: to be playing videos of you in the locker room dancing? Oh, you like? never know. I got some smooth <laughs> I got some smooth moves for him now. <laughs> all right, Coach. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, Alvin Kamara. Slippery yes. is a word that a lot of people use to describe See, now this I'm thinking
4: kid. about Gucci Mane and
3: 8.4 yards per touch. So in all your years, of all the running backs you've watched, to whom would you compare him? We heard Marshall Falk a lot from Sean Payton. Who would you compare him to?
1: His explosiveness reminds me of Jamal Charles. And you
3: drafted had, him? Yes, and uh,
1: same thing. Third round, right? Yes. Out of Texas. That's yeah. exactly yeah. the right. yeah, same, same round. Same thing. Yeah. And, and, and when he, once he sees daylight, He's in the back of the end zone. I mean, he is that terrific. Uh, He's very good catching the ball out of the backfield. You know, when when you think of Coach Payton, remember how he used Darren Spoles? Yep. This is his version of Darren Spoles right here, this guy. I mean, he is unbelievable. And and what people don't realize, he's hard to tackle. He has great balance and leverage. Once you get ready to tackle him, he understands the leverage points of where to – lowers pads, and he always seems to make two or three guys miss.
4: All right. Well, I tell you what, if you come across a talent like that, don't Play make him. the mistake Tennessee made, <laughs> which him, may please. have been a factor in cost- costing Bush Jones That's why he's job. fresh, though. That's why he's <laughs> fresh. <laughs> okay. okay, he was a backup yeah. there. Uh. But, yeah, let's talk about this next challenge in your life mm-hmm. as as head coach. You know, obviously a lot of us around here are going to miss you, but what are you kind of most looking forward to as you – take on these head coaching duties
1: well the challenge of being a head coach again especially a college head coach and there's a lot of energy that is needed i have that energy by the way you got Um,
4: that rule book memorized
1: Yeah, i'm I'm taking the test saturday (laughs) so as as i cross the country to tomorrow evening i'll be studying but uh, we have a group of kids actually coming in this weekend and uh last night i called about 20 kids tonight i'll call another 20. as soon as i leave you guys show, i'm starting to call kids and i'm excited about the energy when you speak to young people you know and they just want direction Uh, They want hope. They want someone to tell them, look, I understand what you're feeling. Uh, let me help you get to that place. So this is going to be quite a quieter journey for me, and I'm excited about it.
3: We're excited for you. As we've said, our, 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 their gain is certainly our loss. We're going to miss you around here. But for those that, that don't get your sense of humor, could you please clarify that you know the daggone mascot when <laughs> uh, you made your, 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 your would, devil's yeah, digest sure. joke and, at the and, press and, conference? And, you know,
1: and that was all in fun, and I think the more people realize who I am. Look, Arizona State recruited me when Frank Cush was a coach coming out of high school. So, I know that there's a rich history here, and uh, we're trying to continue to build on that history. Uh, a lot of great players were at the press conference. Uh, you know, and the, and the guy asked a question. I asked him where he was from. And you know, I wanted to needle some folks just to just loosen things up. Like, that's how I roll. Yeah. Hey, that's how I roll. We as they know. Say, right?
3: That's how I roll. Yeah. So, right. we're, we're okay. in your press conference game is A1. And tell them to get you a, a bigger than an extra medium jersey.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that thing? <laughs> if I would have worn that when I was playing, I probably would have had 10 more interceptions.
3: <laughs> we appreciate right, Coach, you. Thank you. Thank you, for thank you now. Recently, this has served as something of a precursor to the Heisman Trophy winner because each of the last four players to win the Walter Camp Award went on to win the Heisman. Cam Newton, the only player from 2007 to 2012 uh, to win both awards.
4: All right, so with that being said, let's look at our finalists, starting with Penn State running back Saquon Barkley, who leads all Power 5 players this season with 2,154 all-purpose yards, in addition to accounting for 22 total touchdowns now The reigning Walter Camp winner, Lamar Jackson, became the first player in FBS history to record multiple seasons with 3,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards. Next, Stanford running back Bryce Love has nearly 2,000 yards on the ground, including 12 carries that went for at least 50 yards, more than any player in the last 10 seasons. Also, quarterback Baker Mayfield. Threw for 41 touchdowns to just five interceptions and is on pace to break the FBS single-season record at nearly 12 yards per attempt. And finally, San Diego State running back Rashad Penny, who leads the nation in rushing at over 2,000 yards and ranks tied for third with 19 scores on the ground. All right, and now time for the big reveal, your Walter Camp Award winner for this year, none other then Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield, who joins us now. Congratulations, Congratulations Baker, man. on the big award. Uh, you're up for another award, something called the Heisman, uh, that'll come out this weekend. But, Baker, uh, let's just stay in the moment right now. Tell us, how does this feel to win this award?
7: Oh, it's, I mean, it's a blessing, you know. It, Uh, very honored to win this award I mean there's you look at the people in the past that have won it um, to to think that my name's up there with those people it's an honor and you know today I learned more about Walter Camp and and how he impacted the game of football and so uh, winning this award and and who it's named after means a lot to me
3: especially given how you started your career of course walking on at Texas Tech Uh, meanwhile you are going through the most efficient season by a quarterback in college football history at 203.8. Just when you hear that, most efficient season by a quarterback in the sports history, what do you think?
7: Uh, I've had a lot of help. Uh, that, that number doesn't happen without great coaches and great teammates. You know, I've had guys that are making plays for me. They make my job easy, so I wouldn't be here without that, uh, without them, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, we've had a good year, but we're not done yet.
3: Well, you're not done collecting hardware. You're one of three Heisman finalists. It's actually your third time as a finalist, fourth time in 2015, and, of course, third in 2016. I wonder, have you, you've written speeches for the last couple of years, I assume. How is this year's speech and acceptance, how would it be different were you to, in fact, win this award? How would it be different? In other words, what's the Heisman mean this year that it maybe wouldn't have met the previous two years had you won it?
7: Uh, You know, for me, there's been a lot of ups and downs. It's it's been a, you know, a a rough ride, a roller coaster, I'd say, my journey has been. So, uh, this, you know, this whole tour, this awards tour, I mean, it, it means so much to me. You know, like I said, I have great teammates and coaches, and just being able to, you know go through this experience and go back and tell them all about it and then you know going to New York in itself I mean besides the point of, of maybe winning it just being there around all those guys and, and the past winners it's such a special experience for me and I really I enjoyed it so much last year at the time of my life.
4: Now, you, you just mentioned the fact that this has been a roller coaster, lots of ups and downs. Obviously, uh, you've drawn a lot of attention for some incidents that have happened on the field uh, with the Ohio State flag planning and obviously the other gesture that you made. What have you learned about yourself in the process as you face a lot of criticism? Some people even saying that maybe you're not quote, worthy of being a Heisman contender, considering that it also takes into account character and integrity and those kind of things. But what have you learned as you've gone through this process?
7: You know, I understand why people would have those opinions, you know, not going to lie. I mean, some of that stuff's unacceptable. So uh, for me, it's just about me being honest and up front. You know, I'm a 22-year-old kid. I'm still growing and learning. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm proud of who I am, and I'm proud to be able to say that I've learned from my mistakes and I'm able to move forward. So for me, just to be in the consideration for stuff like this, it's amazing.
3: The opinions that perhaps are going to matter most very soon are those of NFL Uh, talent evaluators and decision makers Uh, why should an nfl team believe that given you know the off season arrest and and the gestures at kansas and so on and so forth why should a, a team believe that you are in fact mature enough to be its franchise quarterback
7: uh, you know, I, I think for me, a lot of that stuff's going to happen when I sit down and talk to people. You know, people see what they want to with me. They can mm-hmm. see the, the flag plan and the stuff at Kansas and then the arrest. Uh, but if you sit down and have a conversation with me, I'm, I'm very confident in who I am and the fact that I, I am a good person, I have good character and a good morals. So I think, you know, for me... It, It is what it is. I can't have the approval of everybody, and if I was worried about that, I think I'd be worrying about the wrong things. So, you know, I can impact those around me, and I think I have the respect of my teammates and coaches and my family and friends, too.
3: The key to success, the key to uh, failure is trying to please everybody. Don't know the key to success, but we know the key to (laughs) failure. But did you know, though, that there's a petition going around uh, to get. Uh, a statue of you in Heisman Park if you were to win it depicting you planting that flag at Ohio State. So a lot of people did like it. <laughs>
7: um, yeah, I, uh, I got the screenshot of that sent to me. So uh, it'd be pretty interesting. I don't know if that one's going to fly.
4: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how one would erect uh, that statue, but uh, it'd be interesting to see somebody, somebody try. Now, as much as you've experienced all this individual success, your team nevertheless is competing for a national championship. Now, Georgia... They're they're the best defense that you've played all season. Uh, What kind of opportunity does this present for Oklahoma, given what the stereotype is about Big 12 defenses and, for that matter, the success of Big 12 offenses?
7: You know, I I think for us it's about uh, having a great challenge. You know, Georgia's a great program. Obviously, they have a great team this year. They wouldn't be in the playoffs if not. So for us, it's about a good challenge. And then, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's about Big 12 versus SEC. You look at the Big 12 and you have great offenses. So you can say what you want about our defense. But, you know, when we play teams outside of our conference, I think we match up pretty well. And I think we've shown that the past couple of years.
3: Fun talking to you, Baker Mayfield. Congratulations. And this may be the best compliment I can give you. It's been fun watching you Mm -hmm. over the years at Oklahoma.
4: (laughs) Definitely. Appreciate
7: that. Thank you very much.
4: Here's Greedy, Mel, and Todd. All right, there was a time when running
5: backs and wide receivers dominated the first round. That feels like a very long time ago now. Who's going the highest out of that group, the playmakers? It's going to be interesting because I think when you look at it, at least with what I have on the board side, you have one wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, Alabama, mm-hmm. and one running back, Saquon Barkley, Penn State, and then kind of everybody else is kind of vying for that second spot, third spot, and trying to become a first-round pick for that matter. So I think those are the two dynamic players. I compare Calvin Ridley to kind of a Marvin Harrison type. You look at Saquon Barkley, all, the all-purpose, the all complete back. Is Barkley worthy of taking with the number one pick in the draft? You look at the impact that guys like Gurley and Z. Elliott and Leonard
8: Fournette are having. Is he that caliber of player? It's only worth using, let's say, a top five pick if you're going to commit to being a power football team and running the ball. I think he's a top, worthy of a top five pick. He's an exception to the rule type player. I've high as high a grade on him as I've had since Adrian Peterson at the running back position. All right, and then back to the wide receiver, Calvin Ridley. I think because of the speed, the explosiveness, and the ability to go up and get the football and create after the catch, he's going to be, a, I believe, a good receiver in the NFL. I don't know that he's going to be your number one, your elite, but I think he's somewhere in that mid-first round range. I think after that, you get uh, Christian Kirk. He's got a chance. I know he's been inconsistent this, this year at A&M, but he's got speed and competitiveness. I think it's later in the first round. Cortland Sutton's been a little bit up and down, but he has a Mike Evans-type body coming out of SMU. So there are some good receivers. I just don't know this year that I would spend a top 10, top 12 pick on one. If Ridley was
5: with a pass first team, he'd be in the top 10 guaranteed. He had his first 100-yard receiving So then
8: game. why shouldn't he be in the top 10, right?
5: He should, why
8: shouldn't he be? Yeah, He's as good he as, as he be. is. Yeah. He
5: could be forced in the top yeah. 10. And I'll give you a stat in a second, but think about this. Calvin Ridley, as good as he is, first 100-plus yard receiving game in over a year came against Mississippi State. He made one of the key catches to allow them to win that football game. He won game that game all by himself in the and, fourth quarter. And one thing, too, we talked about running backs blocking. He also blocks. He has to win that offense. But Calvin Ridley's ready. I think you look at the second wide receiver and I think, Todd, you mentioned, I mentioned this guy on ESPN.com early in the year. You picked him up later in the year. Anthony Miller from Memphis. Love
8: it. I just did the, a- the American Conference Championship. He had 14 catches, 195 yards, and three touchdowns. The dude was awesome. And he went up against a really good cornerback in right mm-hmm. and, and was able to, to get off the press and do the little things, and he's tough. Obviously, Barkley is the first running back in this draft. Who's second? This is a, it's a loaded class in terms of the depth of, of talent. Darius Geis from, from LSU, They've, you know, there's been struggles at LSU offensively, but Geis, I think, has the talent to be a later first round pick. Uh, Ronald, Ronald Jones from USC has had a really good year. Carry on Johnson. Probably improved his draft stock more than any other running back in this class this year. He was one of a few backs that they were rotating in, and this year he became the guy. Second running back taken, I'll go right now and say my
5: bet would be on Bryce Love in Stanford. Yep. I mean, you watch the home run hitting plays, the, the, the game-breaking runs. They didn't have a great quarterback. Okay, This isn't a team that had Andrew Luck playing quarterback. They didn't have big-time skill players around them. And he got banged up, and he still kind of played through it. So a year ago, Leonard Fournette goes in the top five, and then the two best running backs seem to be in the third round yep. with the seasons they've had in Kamara and on, Who's that guy? Who's that guy in this draft? I'll tell you what. Rashad Penny from yep. San Diego State has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's not getting any attention at all, and all the kid does is return punts, kickoff, has long-distance runs, does a great job for the Aztecs.
8: Rashad Penny could be that third, fourth-round running back. I-, I completely agree with you. I think Akram Wadley from Iowa is another guy to watch. He has the quickness and explosiveness and can catch the ball out of the backfield. I like his versatility. Mel, at the end of the day, should someone be taking a wide receiver in the first round? They
5: will. There's no question. They're going to go. But I think the concern, I think the one thing, the red flag would be be cautious because the last seven years, 56 wide receivers have gone in the first two rounds of the draft, and only four big-time number one receivers have come out of that group of 56. That would be Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and A.J. Green. That's it.
1: On the inbound, they put it in the hands of LeBron. They have to hoist. Step back. Fire! The
8: bottom! Absolutely cold! Blood LeBron James!
3: You know, I mean, I have other options. But tonight, you know, with five seconds on the shot clock, it, um, you know, it was up to me to try to make a play, and I was able to do that. That's for the man to whom he supposedly passed the torch in the finals. At least let KD tell it. LeBron wasn't trying to get that torch away. But KD messed around a little bit with the Hornets last night, getting a triple-double with 35 points, which is the most he's ever scored with a triple-double. Ninth career triple-double, second as a warrior. But you look at that game, he had a, a season-high 95 touches. He brought the ball up 29 times. They really went through him, the Warriors did, on offense with Steph Curry sideline for two weeks. And we're joined now by Captain Stephen Jackson. So, look, we thought a couple of days ago that this might be final of the year for James Harden. Yeah. And then LeBron's like, nah, I'm just going to keep averaging 28-8-8 eight eight with 58% field goal and 43 three-pointer. 43% from three. If KD's going to do it like this when Steph is out, can KD make a case to maybe get MVP. Well when he plays like this, this one you have to fight about who's the best player in the world. You know, when he plays like this, he's definitely the best player in the world. You have to say that. I mean Do you have to say that, C? Yeah, because because <laughs> you don't because you don't see that KD often. Right. right. And especially, at both ends, Especially right. with the team he's on. You don't mm-hmm. see that Dominic KD where he can handle the ball, make plays, and and still get thirty points. So so we clear, peak K D. <laughs> Handling the ball and the defensive player uh, that he is on the end, end. Pete KD, you taking over LeBron James right now. KD and Charlotte, that last night. Yeah. I'm taking that KD See, over See, notice LeBron.
4: how specific that was. You're not No,
8: he's it. still saying it. He
4: yeah. said he
3: said basically you're saying that the Warriors and all their talent are holding back from being the best player in the league. Well he doesn't have to. Yeah, you're right, because he doesn't have to be that dominant. No, you're right. I'm saying what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, LeBron's yeah. still the best player to me. <laughs> yeah, no. Now, I would say LeBron is the best player in the world, and I would say that today. He oh, is. Okay. But if KD could play consistently like he did last night, He's the best player in the world. It was funny, my, my, don't fall, don't fall over on that fence, you I'm right there. Right. I'm not, <laughs> I follow you though. I follow you though. Man. No,
4: it was funny because I think in the preseason when we discussed who would be uh, NBA MVP, you picked Giannis, right? And I'm pretty sure you. At this point, I don't
3: remember who I picked. I, I'm, pretty, I'm gonna give you credit. You <laughs> picked right? Giannis, and I, I
4: thought Kevin Durant because I thought he could be PKD, KD to, to borrow that term regardless of if Steph was there or not, because he just seemed, after the finals, hitting yeah. that shot over LeBron, like he was yeah. ready to just take that uh, that next step. But with LeBron, man, it's just hard, especially given how, how the rough start they got off to and this season. And how he finished
3: the season last year. There's yeah. momentum going in to give Correct. him, as the, the best player in the world, to give him the MVP And his heart. And like, hey, I averaged 31 with almost 10 assists a game. So. How do you get 15 years in your career and you get stronger, faster, and more athletic? and That's shoot scary. And, and shoot, shoot better. better. That's Crazy. scary. It's unbelievable. Wow.
4: All right. Well, thank Appreciate
3: you. Appreciate it, bro The Glad to be
4: coordination here is just... So so I wish I all would see his shoes. Got, Got the, the like 96. <laughs> yeah. Cristiano
3: Ronaldo took the 2017 Ballon d'Or. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it's Ronaldo's fourth in the last five years and fifth overall. He and Messi have split the past ten.
4: The Rams, they've had to juggle their practice schedule a lot this week. Uh, as they prepare for the Eagles, they, like many other teams, and, of course, thousands of people impacted by the California wildfire wildfires, of course. Our thoughts are with them. But here's Coach Sean McVay on how... The LA Rams are preparing for this week.
7: It's unfortunate and you, and you hate to be able to see that uh, guys have done a great job being able to adjust and adapt yesterday it actually served us well to kind of go with more of an above the neck emphasis and then today fortunately we were able to go outside and it was really just a little bit of gust of wind that um, altered a couple of things but uh, fortunately none of our players and, and coaches have been directly affected by that but our thoughts and prayers are, are with the people that have been and you know hopefully that gets handled.
4: All right, Shelley Smith joining us now from the Rams practice facility. Uh, Shelly, uh, give us uh, the latest on how the Rams are, are coping with having to juggle this practice uh, uh, times and struggling with kind of find some consistency and just how they're dealing with all of
9: this. Jamel, imagine this. Where we are right now in Thousand Oaks at the Rams practice facility, we are surrounded by at least four major forest fires, the closest about 19 miles away. The air quality earlier today was was a lot worse than it is now, as you can tell now. It's blue skies. The problem now is the wind, and you heard Sean McVay allude to it. It's not affecting practice, but it's affecting the fires. It's fanning the flames, if you will, and it's affecting the the first responders, the people who are trying to put the flames out, because it's just wreaking havoc with this entire area. There are more than 200,000 homes that have had to be evacuated, There is at least one life has been lost, one firefighter been injured, and I just can't tell you the impact that it has psychologically on all of us as we sit here and wait for them to put these fires out, and it's just not happening anytime soon. I know the players had a couple of hours of a respite today, and they will have tomorrow practice, and then they'll have the game on Sunday, and it won't be windy during the game Sunday, but we just don't know what's all going to happen between now and then, and you know that it affects them because just about everybody lives in this area. All right, thank you, Shelley, for that uh, latest report.
3: So, now that Tennessee's coaching search is finally all said and done, and there's nothing left to say or do, I say not bad. Not bad on the part of the balls, Ending up with Bama defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt, the latest to be plucked from the Nick saving coaching tree. Before Pruitt can get to planting roots and bearing fruit in Knoxville, he'll continue coordinating the Tigers' defense through the playoffs, just as Kirby Smart did before heading off to Georgia.
1: When you talk about tradition. I grew up in a small town in North Alabama, just on the Tennessee River. So you grow up knowing all about the University of Tennessee, where you're running through the Power T, Smokey, the great teams that Coach Nealon, Coach Dickey, Coach Majors, and Coach Fulmer put on the field. There was a time and place that this university was feared among the SEC teams my goal as the pre- as the head football coach at the university of tennessee it
3: is to get us back to that point right. what'd you think Co- i think they did all right what'd you think
4: yeah i thought they, they
3: all things got considered, they
4: considered yeah you know? well, that's what i was gonna ask chris <laughs> low here. Charm, right? uh, i can't recall and i'm sure you can't either i think i speak for a lot of people frankly that i can't recall a coaching search that was messier than this one but landing jeremy pruitt who is considered a rising star uh, in his profession, does it kind of make all of this worth it?
1: I think so. I think when you, when you look at what's transpired here, this has been just a, a fiasco of a coaching search. And they get a guy that worked for Nick Saban, understands what it takes to win at this level. And you go back to who hired him, Philip Fulmer. When Philip Former was a young offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, he got his break as a head coach at Tennessee. And I think he saw a lot of himself in Jeremy Pruitt as he went through this
3: process. All right, Chris Lowe, latest from Knoxville. We appreciate
7: it. I got a son, to raise, man. I'm, a, I'm down there with my back turned, head to the ground, somebody sneaked me. I mean, I could have broke my neck. I mean, he could have broke my neck, could have paralyzed me. Nobody thinks about that. They think about football. I mean, at the end of the day, football, and today or tomorrow, I'll be fine. As long as I'm able to walk and raise my son and do the things that I want to do. I did what he
2: wanted to do, man.
7: Like he you what he did. Dirty shot. See so what they
6: make. me Dirty play.
3: You are what you do repeatedly, so I wouldn't go so far as to call Grok a dirty player. But that Tredavis was definitely a dirty White play.
4: Deserved, did he deserve to or have the right to say that?
3: 100%. Right. And it was a joke that that's a one-game suspension equal to a lot of football players. Everybody agrees with that. Most important, he's out of the concussion protocol. Yeah. Most right. important thing.
4: Very much so. All right. Uh, now some hoops. Kyrie Irving and Dennis Smith Jr. were assessed double technicals in the first quarter, and that was more than enough motivation for Kyrie Took over, finished with 23. Celtics win. We've seen this story before. Yeah, I
3: don't think we showed it when he pent him. Pent, not pent, pent pin, <laughs> early in the game. What? Seven times they've won, the trailing about double digits this year.
4: Yeah. Uh, T Wolves, they beat the Clippers. But check out Taj Gibson's half court. He right before the half fell a little short. Keep Jimmy Jim, Butler's Jimmy reaction.
3: But- yeah, Jimmy Butler's lips is all that Yeah, now. I think Dear. we all know what he's about. I said that about said. 10 times a show. <laughs> I'm actually shocked we didn't believe that. Uh, before we call it, day, tell the people we had a good day.
4: Well, certainly a good day for Spurs fans because reportedly they're targeting Saturday's game against the Suns for Kawhi Leonard's return. He hasn't played this season, but still the Spurs have managed to go 17-8 and without him.
3: Big trade in Philly. Congratulations to Jaleel Okafor. He's free. <laughs> Sixers sending him to the Brooklyn Nets for Trevor Booker. Brooklyn also gets Nick Stauskas and a 2019 second-round pick from Philly, so... Angelo Russell, to the local for a couple of reclamation projects. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad he'll get to finally play. I had to resist was- a Meek meal reference here. Free why? <laughs> I mean, well, you just made one. Free meek anyway. It's undercover waiting. Yeah, be. that's it for the six Home Depot College Football Awards show next right here on ESPN. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is called Pad.
9: Awkward Silence.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> see you later. <laughs>
9: Bye.